members, as well as about 35 others who were seriously injured. Republican lawmakers have ratcheted up pressure on the Biden administration to strike hard at Iran, the terrorist nation believed to be behind all the previous attacks in Iraq and Syria and Jordan. They say we want to prevent this conflict from spreading. So we're intent on doing both. That is, standing up for our people when they're attacked, while at the same time working every single day to prevent the conflict from growing and spreading. Ratcheting up pressure. I want you to remember that word, pressure, as we move forward with the program here today. Next, from the Russian Times, U.S. troops are told to prepare for war in Gaza. The United States Air Force personnel in Iraq have been ordered to remain on standby in case of on-ground U.S. involvement in the Israeli-Hamas war. That came out two days ago. Then came the International Court of Justice ruling a week ago saying that Israel has conducted itself in the Gaza war in such a way as to make it likely that they have committed genocide. Rather than actually telling Israel to cease the war, they have set the stage now, based upon the South African charge brought against Israel to hold Israel virtually in contempt of world authorities. Pressure. Pressure on whom? Pressure on Israel. But that's not the only pressure that's taking place. Then we also have the pressure of what should be done with the land. What should happen immediately following the end of the so-called Hamas war? Will there be lasting peace, and on what basis? We're going to talk about all of that here today on Viewpoint. According to the member of the Knesset, Avignor Lieberman, he claims to know Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu better than anyone else in politics, and he claimed that the Prime Minister wants to leave politics. He said, it's clear to me that Netanyahu wants to leave So he wants to achieve peace with Saudi Arabia as his legacy to go down in history as the one who brought peace. Pressure. Will pressure bring peace? And who's bringing the pressure? Where is the pressure coming from? What are the results of pressure? Let me ask you a question before we go further. Are you feeling any pressure in your life? You see, pressure has degrees. If you put water and some kind of uh, maybe potatoes or something in a pressure cooker, nothing happens. You put them in the pressure cooker. But the whole purpose of the pressure cooker is what? To build pressure. And the purpose of the building of the pressure is to quickly cook what is inside the pressure cooker. So as you turn the heat up on the, on the, under the pressure cooker, heat builds up, steam builds up, 
and it begins to fill the pressure cooker. And as the heat underneath continues to build and to build, so does the pressure in the pressure cooker, and that's what does the cooking. That's why the pressure cooker. Well, our world now is in a pressure cooker, but especially Israel. Israel is in a pressure cooker, and the world is turning up the heat. The world is turning up the heat to such levels that Israel now is facing some very existential decisions. More so than perhaps than ever before. Israel is facing the entire world led by the United States under Joseph Biden, who has no love lost, as did his predecessor, Barack Obama, no love lost whatsoever for Israel, even though for political show purposes, he has pretended to show how connected and uh, diligently he is trying to protect Israel. Just not true. Just not true. It's all political. It's not real. It's just political. But political pressure is very dangerous, and it builds up heat. It builds up heat not only in a particular nation, but all over the world. And so what we're finding now is the level of pressure that is building in our world with regard to Israel is spilling off into other areas like America's election and also into the relationship between Russia and Europe and between Europe and America and Ukraine. And the Ukrainian issue is becoming somewhat of a spill-off now area of pressure to the more central pressure that is taking place with regard to Israel. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to attempt to understand, look more deeply, probe more deeply into this pressure cooker and where all of this is leading. But here's the question that I have for you. As pressure builds in your life, whether it's financial pressure, uh, health pressure, uh, spiritual pressure, uh, whatever kind of pressure it happens to be, as that builds in your life, what is the effect? What is the effect of the building pressure? Well, it has power to change your life. In fact, it has power to affect your decisions. And therein lies the focus of our program here today on Viewpoint. The power of pressure. The power of pressure. The pressure cooker, the heat in the pressure cooker is rising. We think so much of the illustration of, uh, you know, the being the frog in the kettle. Well, yeah, the frog in the kettle will allow himself to be boiled alive if you just turn up the heat on him gradually. But now we're talking about something else. We're not talking about a pan. We're talking about an entire pressure cooker. The intensity now is increasing. Where will it lead? We'll be right back. 
Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Senator Rick Scott says that Biden's two-state solution to resolve the Israeli-Hamas issue in Gaza is disgusting. He was blasting the Biden administration's disgusting policy shift to the Middle East and consideration of supporting a Palestinian state. He said less than four months ago, Iran-backed Palestinian terrorists slaughtered more than 1,200 Israeli men, women, and children. And today, President Biden wants to reward those terrorists with a country of their very own. He said these terrorists beheaded children and babies, raped girls, burned innocent civilians alive. But Biden's plan is like giving a gift to Osama bin Laden four months after 9-11. Maybe Biden wants to appease the dangerous element in his political coalition that hates Israel, he said. Or maybe his declining mental health blinds him to the recklessness of his actions. Regardless, Senator Scott said, I will insist on restrictions in the upcoming government funding bills that prohibit any recognition of any kind of Palestinian state. America will not reward terror. Well, uh, I'm not sure what your viewpoint on that is. I'm sure that many of you would agree with that and some might not. Uh, But, you see, viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. Senator Scott expressed a very, very strong viewpoint. But then again, there are others that are expressing strong viewpoints. When Anthony, uh, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State under Biden, says that the Middle East is at its most dangerous since 1973, what he's really saying there is, we got to do something, and what they've got to do is what Joe Biden is asking him to do, and that is to create a Palestinian state. That's what he really means. So the information, the, the viewpoint concerning the dangerous situation is leads somewhere. The goal is somewhere, just like the goal of putting the potatoes into a pressure cooker is to cook the potatoes as quickly as possible. So Anthony Blinken is responding to, and in some respects creating, a more intense heat in the pressure cooker in the Middle East so as to accomplish cooking Israel more quickly. Yes, cooking Israel more quickly. Now, In response to this idea, Lord Kerry of Clifton addressed the European Coalition for Israel's Emergency Summit on Global Anti-Semitism in Geneva a week ago. He's a former Archbishop of Canterbury, and he urged the Christian community to align themselves with Israel, asserting that failure to do so would be a departure from their Christian faith. Christian people, he said, must stand with Israel at this time. 
To do otherwise would be a rejection of our faith and democracy. Now, he said that during the European Coalition for Israel's Emergency Summit on Global Anti-Semitism in Geneva. But he said, I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic. Why would he not be optimistic? Because the pressure is building so immensely, friends, that people will do what they think they have to do. What they have to do. Not what they should do, but what they have to do. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure? Well, let me suggest to you, you have. In fact, over the past three years, you felt that kind of pressure. What kind of pressure was that? Well, you were urged to receive a COVID shot. You were. In fact, you were not just urged, you were virtually compelled. Many of your employers said, you either do this or you don't work. You were compelled not to leave your home. You were compelled to wear a mask. You were compelled to do lots of things or not do lots of things. You were compelled not to take your kids to school. You were compelled not to go to church. Pastors were compelled not to open the doors of their congregations. You don't think that was pressure? Friends, that is the closest thing to end-time pressure that we have experienced in our lifetimes, by far. But we didn't seem to see it that way. We rationalized it. And that's what happens with pressure. We rationalize our decisions based upon the level of pressure and whether we decide in our minds and hearts we're just not willing to stand under that pressure anymore. We're going to find some way to release the pressure. So how does the pressure in a pressure cook gets released? Well, it has this little pressure release on the top. At least that's the way they used to be. I don't think people use much pressure cookers anymore. I haven't seen any anyway. But in any event, that's what they used to be. And... When the pressure built up sufficiently in order to keep the whole pot from exploding, there was a release that came through that little valve at the top, and you could hear it kind of whistle through the pressure cooker. The problem with us is we just don't seem to feel that we have any release. And when the pressure increases, we just feel that we're compelled to do something to release the pressure. There's no way out. Do you know, friend, that that is going to be the culminating nature of persecution as we move closer and closer to the end of the age, the final end of the age, and the appearance of the Antichrist? That's what's going to happen. That is how it is happening. This is not something that just has to do with Israel. This is not something that just has to do with Ukraine or any other kind of political pressure or the borders, south of the borders and so on. It doesn't have to, it's not just limited to those things. Pressure itself has power to compel us if we're willing and if we're not strong enough to stand and if we don't have the principles in place to stand and resist 
even to stand alone if necessary. Like William Wilberforce back in the 1700s and 1800s, he had to stand against the English Parliament with regard to slavery. It cost him dearly. For 40 years he had to stand against that pressure. But ultimately, he prevailed. Most people would not prevail. Why? Because they won't persevere in the midst of pressure. They just won't. As I'm writing this new book concerning when persecution comes, the gravity of this is coming home to to my own heart and mind just in waves almost because I know what is coming. I I know how it is coming. I feel it in my bones. It's almost like the Lord is giving me an advance notice to sense the urgency and the tremendous pressure that is building in our world and in the church among Christians to conform to the culture, to conform to this, to conform to that, to look to the government as their provider and their protector and all of these things. God is just left out of the picture because we don't think he can resolve our pressure. And so we capitulate. Now, all that having been said, you say, well, what does that have to do with Israel? It has everything to do with Israel. Because that very same pressure, that spirit of pressure, is building against Israel beyond anything that Israel has faced to date since 1948 in its rebirth. And everybody knows it. If they're willing to admit it, they they know it. It's deep in their gut. As we speak right now, the Jerusalem Post said that the Saudis, Egypt, Jordan, and the Palestinian Authority met in secret last week to discuss the future. In fact, it was this week to discuss the future of Gaza. Why did they meet in secret? They're looking about ways in which a renewed Palestinian Authority can take part in the management of the Gaza Strip. In other words, they are collectivizing, as Arab nations, they are collectivizing power to place upon Israel and the United States to push and compel Israel to conform to what these various nations want to see. Therefore, this Gaza attack attack on October 7th has actually catapulted our world into the realm of final end-time political uh, manipulation and machinations. That's what it's done. So the question then is, where does it lead, how quickly, and what are the ultimate consequences of it? In other words, the trajectory first, how long, and what are the ultimate consequences? Are you willing to face that conversation? Well, we're going to do it right here on the program today. So again, I welcome you on board. 
And uh, it's, it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And in order to understand the greater gravity of this, I urge you to go to my book, King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end-time battle. For it said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. And when you get to the bottom line of all of the pressure, it ends at the Temple Mount. Now, you're not hearing about the Temple Mount right now, except for the father that was just arrested because his little three-year-old boy happened to bow down on the step of the Temple Mount. The father was arrested. You think that doesn't reveal some pretty intense pressure? The Temple Mount is the place of ultimate pressure in our world, both physically, politically, and spiritually. With spiritually being the ultimate expression. Because it is representative of the final conflict between Satan and God. Satan said, I will rule, I will rise to the sides of the north, I will be like the high, most high God. When he said the sides of the north, he was talking about the Temple Mount. I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the most high. And that's what he intends to do. And he can't do it because he has no physical presentation in our world, just like God the Father doesn't have any physical presentation in the world today since Jesus ascended back to the Father. So God relies upon his, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ to be his physical presentation in the world. That's why Jesus said, as the Father sent me, now even so send I you. While I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now you're the light of the world. So you and I are the physical presentation in the world on behalf of the kingdom of God. But in the same way, Satan himself is raising up his own physical representation of the world. In fact, almost the entire Democratic Party in America has basically dedicated itself to that uh, place because they've rejected the fear of the Lord, have done everything they could by the people they've elected to the presidency of the United States and so on, including Barack Obama, who wanted nothing to do with God, hid from any resemblance of Jesus Christ while claiming having dozens and dozens and dozens of folk to claim he was the Messiah. So it gives you an idea, uh, just oversight of where we are. The book King of the Mountain will unfold the past, present, and future to you from a biblical perspective in ways that you have never ever contemplated you will wonder where you have been you'll have an aha experience ah that's what's happening that's why it's happening and everything will start to come clear the $20 book yours for $15 it's on our website saveus.org king of the mountain you can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, at $5 for Moses and Hammond, and we'll be back to the pressure cooker. 
There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. Today we're looking at the pressure cooker there that is the Middle East. But before we get back to the Middle East pressure cooker, we shift over for just a few moments to another expression of the global pressure cooker that is uh, developing. First of all, Russia now is ready to discuss gas supplies with the European Union since the Ukraine transit deal has expired. Now, even though the war between Russia and Ukraine has been spelling out now for uh, a couple of years, the transit of gas supplies has continued. But now that deal has expired. Russia says it's ready to discuss gas supplies with the EU, European Union, but what does that have to do with Ukraine? Now, here is my take on this. I don't have a thus saith the Lord on this. I'm just going to give you my perception on this. Europe has relied upon Russia for 30 to 35% of its gas and oil supplies. For years, many years. When the Ukraine thing came up and the U.S. put political pressure on the EU to no longer accept Russian oil and gas, it has nearly crushed Europe's economy. It's almost destroyed Germany's economy because Germany relied 70% upon Russian oil and gas. So those countries, the European Union and especially Germany, are under immense pressure to go back and say, okay, okay, we've had enough of these uh, uh, pressures from the United States and uh, we're we're just going to have to... uh, Go back and start receiving Russian oil and gas. That's what's happening. In fact, without it being, say, up front and new in the news, behind the scenes, some of those countries have already been doing that. Why? Because they felt the economic pressure. Next. The EU has a plan to sabotage Hungary's economy 
over Ukraine. The Financial Times reported last Sunday that Brussels, heading up the European Union, could stop all funding for Budapest, the capital of Hungary, if its veto on aid to Kiev is not lifted. So what's going on? Well, Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, has continued to block aid to Ukraine. So now, even though Viktor Orban has been holding very conservatively to a a view that is both socially conservative, politically conservative, and so on, he has not joined in to all of the pressure that the U.S. has been trying to put on Europe to close Russia off from any Western financial involvement. But Viktor Orban has refused to block, excuse me, has continued to block aid to Ukraine, which means that the European Union is having a hard time to get aid to Ukraine. So now the European Union says, we're going to cut off funding. We're going to make Hungary pain. We're going to give her economic pain. Why? To pressure the prime minister to do what he thinks is wrong to do. That's why. You see how pressure works? Isn't that exactly what happened to you, some of you, with regard to the COVID shot? You didn't necessarily want to get the COVID shot, but you felt pressured to get it. Some of you felt pressured because of your own fear. Fear that you might get sick, or fear of this, or fear of that. You weren't walking by faith, you were walking by fear. And fear pressured you to do what you did, to make the choices that you did. That's why the Bible says fear has torment. It does. And fear is what will drive the majority of people on this planet to receive the mark of the beast. Fear. Now, it will come about through a variety of of means and mechanisms, but it will all end up being fear-based. Now, the world is trying to cause Israel to fear. Another report, Russia and Iran now finalize a 20-year deal that will change the Middle East forever. This comes from oilprice.com. Iran's Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei gave his official approval on January 18th to a new 20-year comprehensive cooperation deal between the Islamic Republic of Iran and Russia. The treaty will replace the 10-year deal that was signed back in 2001 that has been renewed, extended twice for five years. The new deal complements key elements of all-encompassing Iran-China 25-year comprehensive cooperation agreement. The New Deal gives Russia the first right of extraction in the Iranian section of the Caspian Sea, including the potentially huge Chalice Field. Now, without going into the, the rest of the details of this report, the gist of it is this. Russia is uniting, confederating with Iran... to control 
oil and gas in the Middle East. And by controlling oil and gas in the Middle East, it has the spin-off effect of controlling oil and gas to Europe. And also, by controlling oil and gas with regard to Israel and all of the other Arab nations in the Middle East that have to have energy. So a lot of it has to do not only with the volume of oil and gas, but also establishing the price of oil and gas. Because if you can't make enough money, then you can't prosper and produce the kinds of military equipment, nuclear power, and so on, that enables you to dominate the world that you're trying to dominate, which is what Russia and Iran have in mind in uniting with China in the BRICS nations. Are you beginning to see how all this is coming together? The BRICS nations, Russia, starting with Russia and, uh, and Brazil and uh, India and China, in South Africa, those nations were the beginning, the formative pressure group. Now, many other nations that have felt like they were on the outside of the blessings of the Western world are joining with that BRICS group. Why? It's, pre- it's preparing a pressure group, my friends. You can come up with some other uh, names for it. That's fine. But ultimately, its purpose is to control and be able to, through that control, pressure the West from controlling anything else. And the net effect of it is to allow the BRICS nations then to have indirect call, uh, control over Israel. That's how the great pressure that is building is going to bring all of these various nations together, culminating in representative nations like Russia or China representing the BRICS nations, the U.S. representing the Western One World Order, and Iran or uh, Saudi Arabia or whatever, repre- or Turkey representing the Iranian, excuse me, the Muslim world order. And then they'll fight it out as to what representative will ultimately rule and reign for the Temple Mount. So the rulers of our world are confederating whether you want to say conspiring, you can say confederating, whatever word you want to use. Confederating together to create these ultimate pressure groups to be able to control and gain their viewpoint for ruling the world. Now, in the middle of all of this came this report from the Russian Times. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has been put forward for the Nobel Peace Prize 
for his role in the signing of a treaty that helped normalize relations between Israel and several Arab states. The proposal was made by Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. She said Trump was instrumental in facilitating the historic Abraham Accords, which she said were the first peace agreements in the Middle East in almost 30 years. Well, she's right. That probably is the greatest thing that has happened, at least geopolitically, in 30 years. Except for all the other things going on, the other geopolitical nonsense going on, Trump would probably receive that hands down. Whether he does or not, I'm not going to postulate. But that is putting pressure now on even the Nobel Prize people, which are part of the greater geopolitical world, to try to decide, well, how do we handle this? Indeed, that was the most powerful thing, but we don't want to recognize him. Now what do we do? Pressure, friends, to make choices. In the final segment of the program, we see where all that pressure is leading. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. So how do we resolve? Whose ideas will prevail? in resolving the Middle East situation with Israel and uh, the Gaza Strip and the so-called, falsely so-called Palestinian uh, people and so on. Well, I'm going to share some of the viewpoints with you very quickly here, and then we'll get to the bottom line. First of all, this report comes from Reuters. Saudi Arabia is willing to make concessions on Palestinians for peace with Israel. Saudi officials have told their U.S. counterparts that Riyadh, their capital, would not insist Israel take concrete steps to create a Palestinian state. They just have to kind of make a political commitment to do so. But they're not going to require that they actually do it. In other words, it's kind of like easing into a Palestinian state. So there is a desire for the Saudis to, if it's even possible, to reconcile with Israel 
even though Saudi Arabia is the kingpin of the Muslim Arab world. You notice of the Muslim Arab world, Iran is the kingpin of the Persian Arab world, and Turkey is the kingpin of the Turkish Arab world. And they're all combating together to see who's going to uh, become the ultimate representative of the Muslim world. But this same thing that Donald Trump actually worked out with a number of those nations, the Arab nations, through the Abram Accords, is now back on the table. Saudi Arabia wants to use the desire of Israel to somehow uh, make some sort of progress in reconciling with Saudi Arabia, partly because of the tremendous money that Saudi Arabia has and also the uh, oil that they have. Israel has not found any oil yet, only significant gas. I believe Israel is going to have a revelation, we'll call it a revelation, of massive oil that's going to upset the whole apple cart economically, geopolitically, uh, in terms of uh, energy and the price of energy. We'll see when that happens. Certainly hasn't happened yet. Then we have Avignor Lieberman. There, a member of the Knesset, very powerful member of the Knesset in Israel, he said, Netanyahu must be replaced now without even elections. Get rid of him. How are they going to do that? Well, that's what Biden is trying to do with Trump. The same thing. Trying to create pressure among the American people. Lieberman trying to create pressure among the Israelis to circumvent legitimate elections as so-called democratic nations for political power and purposes. That's called pressure, my friends. Why do you think all these legal cases have been brought against Donald Trump? It wasn't because of his guilt. It wasn't because of his true liability. It was looking for ways to create artificial pressure so as to make it make it almost impossible for him to survive. Either personally, business-wise, it doesn't matter. Whatever we have to do, that's what's it, what it's about. Period. It's not about anything else other than that in order to achieve a new global order. That's the, what the pressure is all about. Now, we go back to Israel and take a look at some of the articles that have come out, and there are several here uh, that I think are worthy of mentioning at this moment. One is an op-ed piece by Dr. Charles Cohen from Israel National News that says, it's a very sad but urgent task. 
to academically defend Israel's right to exist and Jewish history. Our best argument against the woke, progressive indictment of the Jewish state that's happening, my friends, from, primarily from, Generation Z and Millennial Israelis. They are woke just like American Millennials and Generation Z are woke. And they're being trained by woke professors who don't give a rip about their country. They don't see any rootedness. They are globalists at heart. So this, Dr. Charles Cohen says, look, this, this is a very serious thing. We've got to defend academically Israel's right to exist out of Jewish history. It's a very long article. Then, this one. Turning the day after into lasting peace. A position paper by Dr. Michael Wise. Israel must declare sovereignty and preserve the rights of Palestinian Arabs. This is a position paper. The position paper is intended to put pressure, reasonable pressure, but pressure on Israel and so this he, he presents an argument that we don't have time to go into, what should we do the day after lasting peace? Well, what would you do? If you were Jewish, let's say you were a concert part of a, uh, that you were an Orthodox Jew. In other words, you claim to believe the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, the Bible, God's promises to Abraham, that through you would all the nations of the earth be blessed, and I will give you, and he gives the legal description of the promised land, and God says, I'm giving it to you and to your sons and your grandsons and to all your those who follow after you for an eternal leasehold. So what would you do? Well, here's the article from Israel National News. What would God want for post-war Gaza? Why would a logical person ever want to give what is precious to him and was given to him by God over to someone who wants him murdered? Yet at the same time, polls are indicating that somewhere 51% of Israelis are in favor of the post-war plan for Gaza that the United States is proposing. This writer says, that's horrendous, a horrendous scheme suggesting Israel surrender the Gaza Strip to the Palestinian Authority and recognize a Palestinian state. In return, Israel could receive normalization with Saudi Arabia, they say. He said, how far have people fallen if we do not do everything to hold on to Gaza and the rest of biblical Israel and place it in the same esteem as the parts of Israel of which we now have full control? Why would a logical person ever want to give what is precious to him over to someone who wants him murdered from the river to the sea? Not just Hamas. They want it all. They want us gone. But the United States government just doesn't get it. Israelis can't afford to forget 
that aggressive anti-Jewish terrorism in this region started over 25 years before the Jewish state was ever created, before there were any so-called occupied lands. We must not put our trust in foreign allies. The only ally Israel needs to listen to is God, our one true ally. He goes on to say, the only way to save ourselves from our troubles in other words, from all this pressure, is to discontinue the way we are currently connected to America and reinvent the relationship. Our holy nation will then be able to grow in our relationship with God and submit ourselves to his law and not to the whims of foreign governments, including the United States. What do you, what do you make of that? Friends, that is a biblical viewpoint. All the rest are nothing but capitulation to pressure in the pressure cooker. So, the question then is, what will Israel do? Well, would you like me to tell you what Israel is going to do? You say, well, how would you know what Israel is going to do? Well, I know because God said. He told us what Israel is going to do. So if you're in your home or your office, you might turn to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, God says this, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we've made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. What's God talking about here? Israel is going to make an agreement. They are going to succumb. The leaders of Israel are going to succumb to the pressure in the pressure cooker. And there are going to be lures that are going to get them to succumb. One is we're going to bring about peace with Saudi Arabia, and we're going to, uh, you know, bring about the fullness of the Abram Accords, and we're going to do all these wonderful things, and uh, you're going to have peace, and you're going to get along with the European Union, and you're going to be nice, and you're, you know, the the Palestinians are going to get their. their land, or they're going to get a a state, and uh, we're all going to protect you, and it's going to be sweet. That's what's going to happen. And because the leaders of Israel do not share the viewpoint of Joe Ben Malin, who wrote, what would God want for post-war Gaza? They are going to rationalize their own destruction. And everything will be wonderful and cool for a few years until the counterfeit Christ figure that ultimately takes dominion in that situation reveals who he really is and marches into a rebuilt temple. Oh, maybe... Maybe 
the leaders of the world are going to say, hey, you know what? We forgot the Jewish people want a temple. Maybe we should just give them that carrot. Let's allow them to rebuild a temple. Wow. How can they resist that? Are you listening? How else is it going to be fulfilled that the Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple? Even the messengers of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he shall be like a refiner's fire, and he shall purify. The Jewish people see it as a house of prayer for all people. Hey, why not just bring everybody into it? Have the ultimate ecumenical uh, celebration. So the Antichrist can march right in. On behalf of Satan, who take his dominion. Think about it. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at $5 of postage and handling. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for the power and courage of those who lead. But let's all be faithful in our own lives and not yield to the pressure. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.